word, amen. I'm excited about what God has to share for us. He wants to grow us. A few series ago, we had a message called, uh, a series called Climate Change, right? And what that meant is that God has something for us where he is if we're willing to be obedient. So his word can always transition us from where we are to where he desires us to be if we use the vehicle of faith. So I might be sick right now. I might not feel well. But the Bible says that, that he is my healer. So that provides a climate change for me. He said, I am the Lord that heals thee. So if I grab a hold of that word, I can change the climate of my soul, the climate of my physical being. So if I am sick and I believe that he sent his word to heal me, that healing, the, 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 the healing is the children's bread. So if I receive that by faith, I can change my climate of sickness to one of health because he wants health for me or if I'm anxious okay he tells me that I don't have to be worried about anything but pray about everything right so I can leave anxiety and by faith I can trust what God has said because he speaks climates he speaks environments and that will shift me then to being stress-free he's changed my climate well today we start a new series called be still until be still until because fear and the enemy and our flesh and our own mind will have us acting out and doing things that God did not start and if God did not start it he doesn't have to finish it and if God did not start it or ordain it he does not have to bless it many of us get these bright ideas that are really dark ideas you better write that down if you're taking notes Many of us get bright ideas that are really dark ideas. They didn't come from God at all. They came from our flesh. They came from our imagination. They came from our intellect. And we're off running and trying things. Many of us don't ever, many of us are not still until we've tried everything on our own and fell flat many times. Many of us are not still until we've exhausted our money, exhausted our research, exhausted our Google searches. And say, you know what? Okay, God, I'll trust you now. But he's telling us this morning that we have to learn how to be still until. Until when? Until he speaks. Until he moves. Until you see his salvation. Okay? Be still until. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the introduction of this word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here, that you're with me, you're with us. I thank you for an anointing to teach this or preach it. I thank you for an anointing for them to hear, for me to hear, so that faith will come to us, God. Because many of us, if we're not in a circumstance, we're coming out of a circumstance or going into one. And so before we lean to our own understanding, may we be still and acknowledge you. Holy Spirit, I just pray for a hush to come over us right now. I pray for a hush to come over us in such a way that we know that God is about to speak. Help them not to see me, but to hear you. I release myself to you, God, so that you might use this vessel as an instrument to feed your sheep who you love so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Be still until many of us have a problem being still because our anxiety makes us move we have a problem being still here's the number one reason because we have more fear available to us than faith when you are motivated by fear you will move and try to fix things uh, to the best of your ability first but when you are moved by faith you will be still until I want you to remember that during the, the time of that the children of Israel were in the wilderness, that God covered them during the daytime with a what? A cloud. A cloud by day. Why is a cloud necessary? You're in the desert. The temperatures can be over 100 degrees. So he covered them with a cloud. And then when it was time for them to move, the cloud moved. What if they moved without the cloud? You'd get burned up in the elements, wouldn't you? 
So at nighttime in the desert, the temperatures drop drastically. So at nighttime, he provided a, a shade of fire, covering of fire. What was that fire for? So that their elements, that they would have the element of heat even at night, that they could see even at night. And they were not to move unless the fire moved. What happens if you move without the fire? You lose the covering. You lose the light. You lose the protection. You lose the community. So it's so important that we be still until we hear from God. And it can be the single most hardest thing to do. When the rent is due, it's hard to be still. When you're sick in your body and you don't know what to do and the doctors aren't answering, it's hard to be still. When your children will not be obedient and you don't know what you've tried everything, it's hard to be still. Being still, I think, is one of the hardest things there is that God asks us to do as Christians is just to be still. Because it's impossible to be still if your trust is low. It's impossible to be still when there is no faith. But what you will receive if you are not still is weariness. You will be tired. You will be weary. You will be sad. You will be brokenhearted. What if we were still until he brought us a spouse? What happens when he doesn't? What happens when you get your own? Don't look at me. Be still until he brings you that car. I was not still. I got on Craigslist years ago, bought myself an $800 car, almost died in the car when it caught on fire, right? I wasn't still. I moved on my own. I moved in my own understanding. And anytime we move in our own understanding, this is good. Please watch me. Anytime we move in our own understanding, we leave the covering of a commanded blessing. You need to be, just be where God is. That's what be still means. Just be where I am. Don't you move unless I move. Don't you do anything unless I speak to you first. At times it takes greater faith to be still than to fight forward. We must learn both to see and to know that he is God and he is good while we wait. Don Geiger, can you come here for a minute, please? A year or two ago, I preached a message about how in order to receive Christ, we have to let go of our old lives. And if you could just face the television and spread those arms. So Don represents the cross, okay? And any man that wants to be saved and, and find eternal life, you got to know that eternal life is on this side of the cross. You got to receive Jesus first. Everybody that dies without Jesus is going to be lost. And you can't come to the Father. So you've got to enter into the, through the narrow way, which is Jesus Christ, so that you might have life. So every one of us is born with sin, right? We're born into a sinful world. And as we grow, we begin to collect things. We collect sins, our own will, our own dreams, our own ambition, everything that we desire, where we want to live, who we want to marry, what we want to drive, me, me, me. A bag that we carry called this life, okay? This is Damien's life. Everything that I desire, that I've obtained is in here. But when you get to the cross, you will see that it's impossible to take this old life into the new life because the cross is a doorway, okay? So in order for me to walk through and get through to Jesus Christ, I've got to go through the cross, but in order to do that, in order to fit, I've got to let go of my old life. The Bible says that if you seek to save your life on this side, you'll lose it. But if you let it go, you'll find it. Many of us have a lot of baggage. You can put your arms down for just a second, give you a break. Many of us have a lot of baggage. Many of us try to approach the cross with one hand with God, but one hand still holding on to the things of this world. We will be lost. This is what you call lukewarm. This is what you call putting your hands to the plow and then looking back. We will be lost. Don't, don't you think for one moment that we won't be lost. You can be a faithful churchgoer. You can do morning devotionals. But if you still have a love for this world, you haven't fully let go, we're not his. 
So in order to fit, you can get your arms back up. In order to fit, we've got to let go of everything. And when we do, we can get through to the other side, right? I put all my trust in Jesus Christ, and now I'm on this side, right? Now I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Now I'm born again. Now I'm new. Now I'm still living life in both places, though, right? Because I'm in heaven and I'm in Christ, but I am also on earth as well. But this plant, can you take this? You can just take it to my office and bury it, please. The old life is gone. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you're born again, the old life is gone. I don't want nothing to do with my addictions, my sin, my bad attitude. I want all that stuff gone. And because I have trusted Christ, and made myself one with him, now I have new life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, right? Behold, uh, the, all things are, old things are past. Behold, all things are made what? New. Okay, so we got that there. You can put your arms down for a moment. So now that I am in Christ, now that I am seated in heavenly places, now I have to learn how to live this life in union and fellowship with Christ while I'm on earth. But here's our problem. All right, can you get those arms up again? So while we are in Christ, at times, problems come. Church, can you say problems? Situations, tests, trials. And if we're not careful, we'll come down. We'll come away. We'll come away from the cross and we'll try to do things on our own. So, yes, I'm born again, but right now, when I separate myself from Christ, I'm no longer, I am no longer following or being led by the Spirit. To come down means, why would we ever do this? But I'm just as guilty. Why would we ever, during a problem or a situation, come away from Christ and try to figure things out. Or more importantly, not be close enough to Christ to where the only time we do this, really, Sunday mornings at 1030. And then as soon as church is over, we're back to living that old life again without Christ. We don't acknowledge him. We don't, we don't reverence him and worship him. Did you know that we, we were all gathered here this morning, many of us uh, worshiping God? But did you know you could do that in your living room? Do it in your car, right? It's not the place, it's the person we worship, right? It's the person that we are worshiping. But when we have trouble, you can take a break again. When we have trouble, many times we go searching on our own. And we're pacing, oh God, what am I going to do? Short-term memory, saints of God. He's done a million things for us in the past. But this new problem, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Oh, man. Let me Google it. Let me call a friend. Oh, so much anxiousness, so much anxiety. Lord, what am I going to do? Well, let me try this. Didn't work. Now I'm lower. Let me try this. Didn't work. Let me try this. Let me sign up for this class. Let me do this. Let me do that. No peace, no anxiety, all of this effort, all of this work. And we have no, rest, be still. This is where he's calling us back to. So if you're a Christian, because the only way you're going to get rest is that you're a Christian. Remember, the one in whom you gave your life up for is the one who will sustain your life in every situation that you endure. To be still is to go back and get a revelation. Go back and get an answer. And don't move until he moves. Amen? Let's give Don and his arms a hand this morning. Be still until. So the first thing you saw me do was let go of that suitcase. Let go of my old life. We're in, let's go to Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 33. It says this, when the Son of Man returns, 
it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Did you hear what was happening before it started to rain? That people were living the life, right? They had their suitcases. They were going about their own way, doing what they wanted to do, right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. And the flood came and destroyed them all. 28, and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. Do you see the illustration I did with the suitcase? I was willing to let it go. How much of our old life do we have to let go? All of it. Okay, let it all go. It is such it is such a state of shalom, such a state of peace when you let things go. Listen to me. You can't fix your husband. You can't fix your boss. You can't fix any of your problems. So you might as well just let them all go and say, Lord, I'm going to be still until. Amen. All right. So. In order to fit our lives into his, we must let go of our love of this world. Church, can you say this with me? I can't fix it. Okay, now tell yourself. We're going to say it again. I can't fix it. So stay out of the tool shop of life. Stop tinkering, tinkering with your problems and circumstances because you can't fix it. It's unbelievable that we even try. We have a God. How do we forget God? You know what I'm saying? So these troubles and trials that come to our lives, sometimes we immediately think it's ours to handle. But we've got a God, right? So we need to learn how to be still until. Until he moves, until he speaks, until we see his salvation. All right. So after we receive Christ and we let that suitcase go and we let life go and we receive all his promises and blessings and we are seated in two places. We're seated in heavenly places in Jesus Christ because we're one with him through faith, through that baptism. But now we also have to live this earthly, earthly life simultaneously. So part of me is in heaven right now in the heart of God, and part of me is on earth in this body right now, okay? But so how do I live this life now? I live it by putting my trust in the Lord. Christians, we should not be anxious and nervous and worried and afraid. That should not be our characteristics ever because we must remember the same one that died to give us life also said, I'm going to give you life more abundantly. Can you say this with me? Abundant life. Oh, my goodness. That means that, that, that there's more than enough. And he is going to be the supplier of this life. I, I hope you're getting this. You better not leave here sad. You better not leave here worried or nervous or afraid. You better not leave here and go try to fix something. We're going to learn today how to be still and to know and to see. So once we become children of God, we must remember that we've got an invitation. And that invitation is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. And it says this, My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, remember this. I want you to close your eyes as I read this. Close your eyes and receive this. Listen to what Jesus said. Come to me, all of you who are weary 
and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You can open your eyes again. That invitation from Jesus. I think you need to have that on your refrigerator. I think you need to have that on your speedometer. You need to have that wherever you can see it every day that there's an invitation from the one who saved you. The one who saved you also has given you an invitation to come into his rest. And as you know, or you will soon come to learn, God has given us eight principles to teach you, uh, uh, eight foundations in which we build upon what he has to say through his word. And rest stands for revelation. What did God say? Empowerment. How we are empowered once we believe what he said. Our faith is strengthened to say, okay, God, that's you, and I believe you. Then he gives us a strategy. He tells us exactly what to do. Hey, can I tell you guys something? No offense. Your strategies don't work. You have terrible ideas. All of us. They just don't work, right? So through rest... We receive a strategy from God that will lead to triumph, okay? That's why we put our faith in him, and that's why we accept the invitation. Invit- to be still. That's some of the, one of the hardest things for some of us to do is to just be still and to just trust God and not move and try things on our own. What you don't understand is that while you're moving, you're delaying the promise. While you're moving, you're delaying the answer. And more dangerously, while you're moving, you're in the way of God getting glory in your situation. And God wants glory. So while you're trying it, you're trying to succeed under your own effort and ability Not recognizing that if you did solve the problem, you would get the glory. God doesn't share his glory, right? So we must learn how to be still. The first command, Command, that's a a two-word command. The first word in that phrase, be still, is be. So what does be mean? And this is all in your notes because you're not going to remember this. And And you're not not going to be able to take all the notes. But if you go to the app, everything that I'm teaching here is in the app. Download the app in your Play Store, all right, New Life Lima, and you can study this word for yourself. The command is be still. So what does it mean to be? Listen to this. Be is a command to release our being to him. Listen to me. Because we're being anxious. We're being worried. We're being afraid. We're being nervous. So when he says be It's a command to release our being to him. He wants to change us from where we are to something else, okay? So if if God were to say, to come down to the earth and speak to a giraffe and say, be a gorilla, it would happen immediately because he changed the being of that thing just by speaking his word. Do you believe God can do that? Even if you nodded, it's not true. Uh, He can do that, okay? So be is a command to release our being to him, to become united in him through obedience to following his words or command. So right now, Damien is being worried, and he doesn't want me worried. So he's going to say, be, and then a word will follow that, okay? Joshua, Moses had just died, right? And, uh, And now the nation was going to be giving to Joshua, all right? That's not an easy task. So the same word that God gave to Joshua, okay, he gave to me as well when my father died, okay? He told Joshua this. It's nerve-wracking to take over something, to do something you've never done before. So Joshua had to be a little nervous, a little afraid, a little anxiety. Joshua was being afraid. And And God God spoke to him and said, Joshua, be courageous. So that's not, man, this is good. That's not just saying I am offering you a chance to be courageous. No, I am commanding you to be courageous. You're afraid right now. But I'm going to say be courageous. 
Jesus would, uh, he would come up to sick people who were sick, and he would say, be healed. Do you see what, how powerful that be is? That B is the introduction to change, that whatever God says after B, that's what's about to happen. And when he tells you to be still, we better be still. Because it's not, he's not going to just leave us in stillness. He wants us to be still so the next B can happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to be still before you can be that next thing that God desires for you. He will never ask us to be something in which he has not already supplied the ability. When he commands us to be something, he plans on his word to be completed and called good. He said, let there be light, and there was light, and he called it good. When God tells us to be something, he's breaking the mold. He is taking us from one state of being to another state of being. Whatever precedes the word be will become our next condition. Just as he said, be fruitful and multiply. Evan and Olivia could not have children. And I remember, many of us prayed for them, but I remember one particular Sunday that I laid hands on Olivia and I said, Lord, you commanded them to be fruitful and to multiply. And we just released that commanded blessing over her womb and now they've got Many children. Amen? Evan, you should be the loudest. Amen. <laughs> right? Be fruitful and multiply. You better chase down God's bees. Not the kind that sting you. You better look in that Bible and whatever he says, be, say, okay, I want to be that. You said be courageous, I'm courageous. You said be faithful, I'm faithful. You said be healed, I'm healed. Because you said it, God. That's what I'm going to be. Amen? That B is powerful. But he's telling us to be still. Church, the gas prices are outrageous. The food prices are outrageous. But he didn't tell you to worry. He didn't tell you to be afraid. He told you to be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You will always have gas if you stay in the B column. You will always have food if you stay in the B column. Be faithful. Be looking to God who is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If you say that he is Jehovah Jireh, you're saying that he is a provider. And what you're declaring is, I will be provided for. Amen? That being is so important. But this command, and what he's trying to teach us now, is to learn how to be still. And the main reason you have to be still is because the devil, the God of this world, the great deceiver, he's active out there. And so many people are doing exactly what he wants them to do, but he's commanding you to be still. Be still. You don't have to do what they're doing. You sh we should never be doing what the masses are doing, right? Because great is the way that leads to death, and many walk upon that way. But just a few people find life, all right? And I'm not just saying a few out of you because we are the few, right? I'm saying that we've got to only do what God is saying do. What I'm trying to tell you is that as you walk this Christian life, you're going to be walking against traffic. There's going to be people coming, walking away that's opposite of you. You're going to be, you're going to be swimming upstream when you're a Christian. Because God said, be over there, but the world is saying, go over here. And they are controlled by the little G God of this world, and you're controlled by the big G God of the universe. And what he is saying now is that we have to be still. So what does that still mean? Okay, I'll give you a couple examples. Proverbs 8.29 says this. I, this is God. This is this is wisdom talking. Okay, Pro, Proverbs chapter eight is a powerful chapter. Study it, and it's wisdom talking. Okay, the spirit of wisdom talking. All right, I was there when He, God, set the limits of the seas so they could not spread beyond their boundaries, and where He mar marked off the earth's foundation. We're talking about stillness. So what this means is this. God, the creator of the world, he told the seas and the oceans where to be still. A sea is powerful. 
You ever seen a tsunami? That's what happens when the water is not still anymore. Destruction comes. But he set the boundaries of every coast and said, see, stop right there. So what we learn about this is that stillness is a boundary. It is a space set aside that separates movement. We can walk right along the shore of a beach and the wind and the waves can be blowing but many times, yes, there will be, uh, what's that called that goes in and out? A tide, okay? But you can walk alongside the tide, and the water will not overtake you. Why? Because there's a commanded stillness there. That God made a boundary and said, you cannot pass from right there. You be still right there, okay? So stillness represents a boundary where the activity stops. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to have a boundary where our activity stops. Be still. You don't do anything about that problem. You don't do anything about that situation. I know they wronged you. I know she had an attitude with you, but you, you be still. That's your boundary. You don't move unless I move. Be still. The second example of stillness is found in Job 26.7, and it says this, God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Can you believe this earth? I mean, sometimes you got to think about space and planets and all those things that, that there's no string or rope or chain that's holding the earth in place. It's just being still. I mean, I know it's rotating and moving, but we don't just float off into some other galaxy, right? He told the earth to be still. He hung the earth on nothing. Look at our God. He hung it on nothing and just placed it there and told it to be still. Now listen, stillness is also to remain in play in, to remain in the place or position you were set. So if God gave you a job and didn't tell you to move, sit yourself down. If God gave you the spouse and didn't tell you to move, be still. So not only is stillness a boundary, stillness is also that when we are to remain in place or the position in which we were set. To be still is also to stop motion. It is to avoid trouble. It is to await the next order, to come back under the authority of God, to stop your activity and enter his rest. It is to remain in place so that you will intersect an appointment with a blessing. I want to talk about this one for a moment. To be still is to remain in place so that you will intersect an appointment with a blessing that he is sending your way. I want to say it again because it just sounds so good to me. To be still is to remain in a place so that you will intersect an appointment with a blessing. So if God said to stay right here where you are and don't move. There's always a reason. Do you know why? Because he loves you. He wants to get something better to you. He wants to bless you, but he does not bless disobedience. Those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. But if you step out of position, if God told you, you keep showing up to that job, you keep, don't you quit that job, you keep, you keep showing up, and then you just get to the point where you can't take it anymore, and you quit on a Tuesday, you step out of place on a Tuesday, not knowing that Wednesday was the day that they were going to offer you a new opportunity at that job to be a supervisor or whatever it was. To be still is to intersect a blessing. When I had my kidney transplant, I got a letter from my boss, one of my bosses that said they were going to put me back on the road. I was a detective at the time. And I was afraid that if I were to be a police officer that worked the beat, that I could get in a fight with a drunk or somebody that's high, and I would get hit in the kidney and this new kidney that I have, and then I'll be back to square one. I was about to go into the sheriff's office and say, hey, what are you guys doing to me? I just can't go to Walmart and get a new kidney. Why are you doing this? But God said, don't you say a word. He commanded me to be still. I was afraid. I was worried. I was looking into early medical retirement. I was doing all these things that we are guilty of. All this movement that happens when fear arises, I was guilty of it. He told me this. He said, 
I protected you before you had a kidney transplant. Why would I stop now? When he speaks to you, peace can come back to you. When he speaks to you, he enables you to stand just a little while longer. Church, I'm begging you this morning. Keep standing where he put you. Just remain there. He will be faithful to answer you and to help you at the appointed times. So a few years later, after that he had, uh, I had been working the road again, uh, I was called into the sheriff's office directly, the main boss, the top dog, whoo, big dog, right? I was going to go in there on my own. I was about to do an Esther. If I die, I die, but I'm going in there, right? <laughs> but he said, just be still. So two years later, they call me into, he calls me into his office and says, hey, Tibbs, I got a position for you. If you want it, you'll be working in the schools, right? And you'll have weekends off. And, and during the summer, you'll help kids at the D.A.R.E. events and all that. Do you want it? I was still on the inside, right? Well, <laughs> on the outside, right? But on the inside, I was, whoo, praise God, right? Because that's a blessing. And that's before he made me a pastor, Okay, no other many police officers don't have Sundays off, but God had to position me to get Sundays off so that I could feed his sheep. Right. And if if I had not been still, I could have burnt that bridge. I could have went in there and said, no, you know what? I will not go to the road. I will not do this. I will not do that. And the bridge would have just burnt down that God was preparing Sometimes it's a little scary. I won't lie, okay? I get a little nervous. I get a little anxious of the unknown. But you need to take your eyes off the unknown and put it on the one that you do know and say, God, you're faithful, and I trust you, and I'll be still even when I don't understand what you're asking me to do. So the first thing that is acquired, that God wants us to acquire as we be still is knowledge. You see, we go trying things in our own knowledge when we're not still. But in stillness, what God is trying to get to you is knowledge. He wants you to be still and know. He's trying to get you. See, see rest brings revelation. You don't, get re you don't get revelation until you're in a state of rest. And sometimes, I was talking to, to Pastor Jim in the office, sometimes God has to put you flat on your back before you'll be still and listen. I had a disease that almost killed me. Jim had a disease that almost killed him. And we were flat on our backs so that God could speak to us and then show us something as well. So he wants you to be still and know. And then he wants you to be still and see. Okay? Knowing and seeing. Let's go to Psalms chapter 46 and we'll... Try to wrap this up soon. Psalms chapter 46 says this. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel, our fortress, Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. That is why we can be still. You've got to, in, in your chaos, in your anxiety, in your fear, 
You've got to understand that that's why it's so important to remember that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-control. So if you want to get it back together, you've got to go back to the one that saved you. And you've got to rest at his feet until he speaks to you. He is the author of peace. He is the author of our lives, and he will be with us. But we have to remember something in our stillness. Stillness is a time for meditation. It'll be medication if you don't. Meditation, okay, and revelation that he is God. Come on, you got to get this. In stillness, when there is chaos around you, when there is trouble, when you can't make up from down, be still and know that I am God. What does that do? I don't know how in the world a bill or a situation, I, I guess this is how, okay? So you got, a, you got a bill that comes in the mail, you got a situation that comes in the mail, all right? And this is our perspective of it. Now do we see how little we made God? Because we're focusing on this one thing. And now that we can't see God anymore, we become a God unto ourselves. And we begin trying to fix things and create things and move things on our own. Borrow money, get loans, sell this, do that. All this stuff is happening in our mind because we've blocked God and the situation has overwhelmed us. The spirit of fear has come in. Now we don't feel love. Now we feel powerless. And now we don't have a sound mind anymore. So what needs to happen? We need to be still and know that he is God. You see, what happened in Psalms 46 before he said, be still and, be, and know that I am God, he gave us a little resume, right? He said that God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and when the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that he is God. Amen? So that's the first thing we achieve when we desire to be still and to know. And here's what to know means. To have a knowledge of who God is. To have a knowledge of God's word. To be aware that we are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And to be aware that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. I pray that you get these notes and you study them. I pray that when you, when you hear me preach that it's, you don't just think it's Damien Tibbs' sermon for the day, but it's actually God talking to you. Do you know that that's what happens during ministry? That a minister receives the word from the Lord and he gives it to you. And I know there's nothing wrong with devotion outside devotionals. We even, we even push one here, okay? But your main devotional every week should be the, the word that was preached to you that Sunday. You should go back and say, okay, what did God say on Sunday? Because something's going to happen this week, right, that if you don't remember this word, you won't be able to be still. So go back to the notes and say, okay, God, what did you speak to me on last Sunday? Finally, we need to be still until we see. So the first, the first thing we're doing when we acquire stillness in the Lord is to reflect that he is God and to know that he is God. The next thing that's going to happen is that we will be still and we'll be able to see something. Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 18 say, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw See, when you see something, it's always going to make you afraid and nervous if it's bigger, if you make that thing bigger than God. The Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still or be still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Number one, shut up. Shut up. Stop talking. 
be still. So one of the first things we have to still are these tongues, this mouth. Be still. Because you need to know that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You need to know that you are snared by the words of your mouth. Oh, shoot, that coronavirus is going around. I'll probably be the next in the family to get it. Why did you say that? Don't you ever speak anything out of your mouth that you don't want to see. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Church, I want you to remember something. And it's been a long time, so some of you have to go way back in your memory banks. Remember that time you were scared? And then God fixed it? And now you forgot about it because you don't even see the problem anymore? It's the same thing that's going to happen to the next problem. And the next problem. And the next problem. I'm just going to be still. I already, I already know God's resume, honey. I don't know why I called you honey. I already know his resume, okay? So I can just be still, and just like he fixed the problem back there, this one will soon be behind me again. So that's what Moses was saying. Shut up. Listen to me. These Egyptians you see before you today, you will never see them again. They will not be an issue in your life anymore, all right? And why is that? Verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you just Stay calm. Just be still. So what is God trying to save us from? Don't you know that anxiety and stress kill you? Raise your blood pressure and mess with your heart? He's trying to save you from, the, from death, the death of stress and the death of going the way that seems right. It's time to abort some of our missions right now. Some of us are doing some things that seem like the right thing to do, but they're not. They're, they are, they are um, kamikaze missions, right? The, Jap the Japanese used to get in airplanes, and they would sacrifice themselves and fly themselves into our boats and things. Kamikaze, right? That's exactly what you do when you leave the cross. That's exactly what you do when you leave God's will and leave God's way. You're on a kamikaze mission, and you're going, you're going to go somewhere to where God's going to have to come and pick you up off the floor. Why did I get a loan for this car instead of just waiting on God? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? And now, the situation you got yourself in, now you got to pray yourself out of it. So instead of just being still and being in prayer right here, now you're going to say, Lord, help me. I've done it again. All right? So, to be still and to see means this. Here's what the seeing is all about. To see is this. To have a faithful expectation to observe deliverance. So when you're still, when God says be still and see the salvation of the Lord, you're already in a place of knowing because you did that already, right? I'm going to know that he is God. But the second thing that stillness is going to produce is a vision, okay? I'm going to be still and I'm going to have a faithful expectation to observe his deliverance. To be still, to, to, to be still and to see means this as well. To use your eyes alone. That means hands off. Church, please remember this. You see with your eyes, not with your hands. That's the greatest lesson, the simple lesson I can teach you as it relates to being still and waiting to see his salvation. You don't see with your hands. You're always, we're always trying to fix something. But when you're still, hands to your side, and I'm just going to see what God is about to do. To see is to be watchful and prepared to give God glory for what is about to happen. And finally, seeing is knowing. Knowing that we are about to see something spectacular in the spiritual invisible realm be released into the visible natural realm. God's invisible resources and power are about to be made known for all to see in your situation. Finally, church, there are three steps that we must do daily if we will even have the ability to be still, there's three things we must do every day, okay? And each of those relate to the spirit, the soul, and the body. And I heard that in Elder Melissa's prayer and opening this morning. 
There's three things we must do to still the spirit, to still the soul, and to still the body. To prepare ourselves for the glory of God and to prepare ourselves for a revelation that will empower us with strategy and triumph. The first thing we have to do is spiritual, and it is to be filled. Church, can you say be filled? Be filled. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20 says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And you know what? Don't be drunk with W-H-I-N-E either. That spells wine, murmuring, complaining, because that will make you drunk too. Nervous, anxiety, just saying all these things out of your mouth. You can get drunk off that. Oh, it's never going to work out. I'm always going to be at this job. I'm always going to live in this house. He's never going to do right. They're never going to get that. You're, you're drunk. Be quiet. Stop whining. Be still. Okay? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, church, can you say instead? Okay, so we're learning how to be still. All right? And the first thing is spiritual. We, we need to be filled, okay? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. So just like you put on deodorant and brush your teeth and eat for the body, every day we've got to have the goal of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And how you do that is every day you surrender yourself to God. And you say, Lord, here I am. I don't want to be in control. I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to go the way that seems right. You promised me the gift of the comforter, Holy Spirit. I yield myself to you today. I combine forces with you. I unite myself with you. I am subject to you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with fruit. Free me from this bad attitude. Free me from these bad mindsets. I want to be filled with you, God. Fill me from, the t from, the, from my toes to the top of my head. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I present my body as a living sacrifice. Lord, fill me today with your Spirit. That's where it starts. you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be still if you're only filled up to your ankles. In order to be, to be still and to know and to see, you got to be filled totally with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And after you are filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to what will happen. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing song, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your heart will not be filled with fear. Your heart will be filled with a melody to God. Say, oh God, how faithful you are. Oh God, I put my trust in you. It is to you and you alone that I give glory. Verse 20, it says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to be thankful. Lord, instead of, instead of looking at the problem as a problem, you look at the problem like this. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity for you to show up in my life again and do something spectacular. Lord, I'm thankful that I can't handle this problem, but God, you are well able. You've done it before, and you'll do it again. That's what filled with the Holy Spirit is. So if you're anxious and afraid, low in the spirit. Low in the spirit. Don't have melodies in your heart to the Lord. Low to the spirit. I'm not saying that you have been baptized with the spirit. I'm saying that there should be a daily filling of his Holy Spirit. Amen? So that's what you do spiritually. Three daily steps to stillness. Number one is of the spirit and it is to be filled. Number two is for your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. What has to happen at the soul level? You have to be transformed. Church, can you say this with me? I must... Be filled and be transformed. Here's what that means. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. I copied the verse. What that basically says is that we need to be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we will know the good and perfect will of God. Right? I'll fix that later. Okay? But that's not the verse that was supposed to go there. That's Romans 12, 1 through 2 that I'm telling you right now. Be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So to be still, you have to first be filled, 
and then be transformed. Because listen, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can't follow the mind of the Spirit, okay? Your carnal mind, your thoughts, your imagination lead to death. But the mind of the Spirit leads to life and to peace. So I need to be transformed from the old Adam to the new Adam, which is Jesus Christ, so I can think like Jesus. And then finally, at the body level, we need to be in good health. 3 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So church, we have to try our best to be in good physical health. You hear what I'm saying? We have to have good physical health. That means we have to eat better. That means we have to get exercise. That means we have to be drinking water. All those things that we don't want people telling us about, they lead to life, right? Listen to this. Last scripture, 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So what we need to know about these bodies is that they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you only get one temple down here. There's a new one coming. But down here, we got to take care of these bodies. If you want to learn how to be still, you have to be in good health as well. So we need to be filled, be transformed, and be in good health. And then we can be still until. So we're not here next Sunday. But on Easter Sunday, we'll hear what the until is all about. Because Jesus had to be obedient even until death on the cross. And they crucified our Lord and Savior on a hill, and they took his body down, and they placed it inside of a tomb and closed the stone, and he was there three days until. Right? Let's stand to our feet. I pray that you will get the app so that you can go into these notes and study what God has to say for you. Because two things happen. Listen, what I just did was I preached a corporate word for the body of Christ. But what will happen if you go into the notes, you'll get a word just, just for you out of those notes. So please, please, please take these words as if they were not mine and study them this week in the app and say, okay, God, now what are you saying to me specifically about my situation? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here, to worship, to hear your word, and now we bring challenge to obey. Lord, activity awaits us. It's like right now we're standing on the shore, but there's a powerful river called life that waits us, God, and the tides, they turn and they shift, God. But you're telling us that there is still a stillness that is available to us if we come back to the cross. What happened at the cross is that you died for our sins so that we might have new life, eternal life for you. And you said that there's a thief in this world that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But you have come that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. But that abundant life is not earned. That abundant life is not a wage. That abundant life is free for those who will be still and accept the invitation to come to him for rest. Father, I pray that this word changes somebody's life. It changes the trajectory of a decision that someone was about to make. Lord, knowledge is us taking our hands off the situation and saying, God, I want you to decide. Lord, I want you to choose for which way for me to go. And God, I thank you that your word says that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We love you, God. May we retain this word in Jesus' name. The next problem that comes, instead of going to worry, may we go to the one that invites the weary and gives us rest so that we might be still and know and then be still and see your salvation. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you as Savior, God, 
that you would save them today. Or for anyone who's going through a situation where they have to decide between this or that, and they've been having anxiety about it, Lord, I pray that they would come and receive prayer. I'm going to release the elders and pastors to come down to the altar now. We'll be here for you to pray with you. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, maybe you want a, a new filling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's some things that have just been blocking you, blocking your life from allowing the Holy Spirit to really fill you as he desires. So as we dismiss, the altar will be open for prayer. I just ask respectfully that those of you that choose to leave, that you would just be blessed and also leave quietly so that the Holy Spirit can do his work up here. And if you're going to stay after service in the sanctuary where prayer is going on, if you could also keep it down to a library hush so that the Holy Spirit and those that are praying can hear and respond. So, Father, I pray your blessings over this assembly. Bless us next week, God, as the body of Christ joins forces in Lima, God. Let revival just spark, God, in that moment as we say we're going to put away our agendas for a bigger agenda and we're going to praise God together. Lord, keep us still until you move in Jesus' name.